It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Speculation. Welcome into bonus scoop times. Olgad, executive producer Declan Goff, and of course, Darren Doogie Wolfson, who every week on Score North not only brings you his scoop podcast, but brings you scoops uh, ordinarily on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We moved Doogie to today because Patrick has to do Unchained tomorrow. Just a little bit of switching here. Uh, but Dugs, let's start with this. Alex Kirilov is going to undergo surgery on his wrist again. What's the cause for concern? What have you been told about the essential um, confidence that this uh, can be fixed? Because, I mean, this kid, to your point, for a long time, can win a batting title. Like, he is a marvelous player, or at least at the plate, when healthy. Uh, But this continues a trend where the one thing that he is so good at doing, swinging a bat now, has been for a few years a painful event are you confident, are the Twins confident, that this time they will actually get it fixed for his return in 2023? Well, Judd, let's hope so. We alluded to this possibility last week on Thursday. This all began over a year ago on a pretty innocuous slide. Like at the time when he slid, I don't think any of us said, whoa, uh-oh, like Alex Kirilov is royally messed up. But he is. He underwent one surgery last year. That clearly Hasn't worked. He has had multiple cortisone shots, Judd. Those have not worked. So he will undergo surgery tomorrow in Los Angeles, 1 o'clock LA time, 3 o'clock Twin Cities time. The doctor is Stephen Chin. I had another doctor reach out to me say, Stephen is really, really good. And I'm not going to pretend like I know all the intricacies of this specific surgery, but I can tell you from somebody close to Alex that this is a a rare surgery. It's a delicate surgery. And the recovery time can vary greatly. The twins will tell you there is hope that he'll be ready to go by the beginning of next spring training sometime in February of 2023. But Judd, at this point, let's wait and see. Like, I don't think we can make any sort of declaration that he is going to be okay at any point in time moving forward. Mm. Let's just see how the recovery goes. But it's just, it's super, super unfortunate because you touched on it. That kid's swing is a thing of beauty. He was a high first round pick for a reason way back in 2016. There is so much to like about Alex Kirilov offensively. We still wonder what his best position is in the field, corner outfielder, first base, 
Is he ultimately just a DH? We can debate that. But there's no debating how pretty that swing is. So just super, super unfortunate that we've gotten to this point. But I was in the clubhouse one week ago today, last Monday, and talking with Alex, like it just it seemed like we were going to get to this point, that he got another quarter zone shot, all-star break. Yeah. The shot just it didn't work, right? And so if the quarter zone shot doesn't work, this next step is – is this pretty detailed surgery. It's just, this one is a rare one. Like if you Google the specifics of this surgery, in fact, let me see if I can multitask here, Judd. Let me see if I can get it right often down do. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. well. You're pretty good at it. Not great, but pretty owner good. Owner shortening. Owner shortening. Yeah. U-L-N-A shortening. If you want to Google owner shortening surgery, there's not a whole lot out there. Like, I even, I went down the rabbit hole slightly, Judd, last night, Googling owner, or ulna, excuse me. I don't want to mix it up with the owner collateral ligament, right? Ulna, U-L-N-A, ulna, shortening, surgery, baseball. There just isn't a whole lot out there. Mm. Now, there's enough stories out there. So when I say it's a rare surgery, yeah, it's rare. But there's enough people that undergo this specific surgery. But Judd, when it comes to... To baseball players, there's just not much out there. And so that is also a cause for concern. But I'm just telling you, my understanding is Alex is in good hands with the doctor that will perform this very rare surgery. And and just to be clear, this surgery is now supposed to create room where where room does not exist in his wrist, right? So like yes. that's the problem. There there's like cartler or, or there's bone on bone or something. And this is supposed to alleviate that. Is that the short is that the Cliff Notes version of what he's going to have done? Yeah, my understanding is that's relatively close. I mean, it's all about, you know, relieving just the pain that he just can't overcome. Like, he's been swinging with pain for a while. Even when he came back, you know, he had about a two- or three-week stretch where he was mashing the ball. Even then, deep down, like, and I think publicly he said, hey, my wrist is feeling better, I'm paraphrasing, but something along those lines but it's never been close to 100%. Even when he said it was feeling better, that was relative to where it was a couple months prior yep. when he was not doing well at all. So when he said it was doing better, maybe it was 60%, 65%. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near 100%. But the idea is the pain is just too much to continue to swing the way he wants to be able to swing. Gotcha. And so we, we also expect, I think I saw this late in the week, we also expect Larnick, Winder, and Ober to be back in September at some point. Is that correct? Yes, I've hinted on the Scoop podcast, certainly on Bailey Ober, that the expectation all along has been that he will be back this year. I also hinted, I'm not surprised whatsoever, that Jorge Alcala needs to undergo surgery, that he is out for the year. Right. It just it was trending that way. Yes, on Josh Winder. Yes, on Trevor Larnick. In fact, I was texting with somebody that was in Fort Myers last week watching Larnick in the cage, or he was in contact with somebody that was watching Larnick in the cage because I don't know if he was taking live BP in the cage, you know, hitting actual pitches or just hitting off the tee. But Trevor Larnick has been able to swing. So the idea is here in about three-ish weeks, Trevor Larnick should be in a position to play games. Maybe he needs a rehab assignment initially, in fact, after being out for, at this point, 50-something days, he will need a rehab assignment. But the idea is he could be in a position to help the Twins in September. Yes, on Josh Winder. 
even Kenta Maeda, that's another one who he's up to 85-ish miles per hour off the mound. I still think there's a ways to go, Judd. I just, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong. The Twins are more optimistic on Maeda than I am, but he's doing some stuff. Randy Dobnak, finger, Mm. forgotten Mm. guy, right? But they did give him a five-year contract. He does matter. I am told, Judd, I don't think this is out there, or maybe it's out there because I put it on Twitter. But anyway, Dobnak to begin a rehab assignment on Thursday. Don't have the specifics. I imagine the Florida Coast League then transition into pitching for the Fort Myers Miracle, then eventually AAA St. Paul. Then if all goes well, maybe back with the Twins sometime in September. But there's a ways to go with Dobnek. But still, a really nice step for Randy. It's been a battle with this finger. So Dobnek beginning a rehab assignment on Thursday. One other Twins injury note. Well, two. Austin Martin, wrist injury. It's been a lost year for for one of the Twins so-called top prospects really isn't one of their top prospects anymore but in his defense the twins have tried to tinker his swing to generate more power he doesn't have the same swing he had at Vanderbilt if he did his average would be better his on-base percentage would be better we also wonder about what position Austin Martin is but anyway he's been shut down for a while with a wrist injury but he is ramping up swinging so he's building back up he will be back before the year is over Matt Cantorino We can debate, but I can make a case. The Twins' top pitching prospect in the minors. Now, if you want to say Josh Winder or somebody else, now I would say Josh Winder has graduated to the majors. Don't put him in that category, but we can have a debate about that. If you want to debate Simeon Woods-Richardson or somebody else, Louis Varland, fine, because I actually think Louis Varland at some point before the year is over, the North St. Paul native, the Twins' minor league pitcher of the year last year, I actually think he'll be up with the Saints at some point. This year, like, I don't think he's going to finish the year at Double A Wichita. So, you know, you can debate Varland. You can debate Simeon Woods-Richardson. But I can make a case for Matt Canarino. Well, the hope was that Canarino, dealing with an elbow issue, would be back with Double A Wichita by about this time. Well, he's not back with Double A Wichita. There's still some more information to sift through, Judd. But bottom line, I just I don't expect Matt Canarino to pitch again this year. So if there was any thought about hey, maybe this guy that's got some really good stuff, 24 and a half years old, could he be a guy that could help the Twins in September? Then maybe, if all goes well, be on the 26-man playoff roster in early October? The answer is no. I don't don't expect Matt Canarino to pitch again this year. That's really disappointing. Um, On Ober and Winder, do either one of them have a chance when they are uh, prepared to pitch up here potentially in September to replace Archer or Bundy in the rotation and possibly, I don't know, send send one of those two into a long relief role. The point being is Bundy and Archer, like they got by against Toronto, but when you watch those games, I think, Bund- I think Bundy pitched pretty well uh, through the first nine batters on Saturday and then just got hammered. Now he got fortunate, but he got hammered. So, I'm just curious, as we approach the playoffs, if either one of the pitchers returning would have a chance to actually take a spot in the rotation and possibly cause some trickle down to the bullpen. I trust Archer more than Bundy. More importantly, Judd, my sense is the Twins trust Archer more than Bundy. Yes. So we're talking one gets DFA'd. I think it would be Dylan Bundy over Chris Archer. Now, is it possible both get DFA'd? or one or both get pushed to the pen, winder, over, 
into the rotation, sure. But there's just there's such a ways to go with both those guys that that I don't want to be presumptuous and say yes. Look on September 15th for Bailey Ober to right. take Dylan Bundy's spot in the rotation. I'm not in a position to say that, but the Twins are hopeful that both Winder and Ober will be back in September. And of the two, Bundy Archer, I think Bundy's roster spot is a slip, you know, more slippy, slippery slope. Let's say so. You know, something just to keep an eye on. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces, right? I mean, Brad Peacock is a guy who's performed in the majors before. Heck, helped the Astros in the playoffs a few years ago. He's at AAA St. Paul now. He's got an opt-out in his contract, but he thinks he's going to help the Twins at some point. So we'll keep an eye on that. Michael Feliz is another Major League veteran that recently joined the Saints. He's got a late August opt-out as well. But he, too, thinks, hey, I can help the Twins at some point. My understanding is he had a pretty good outing over the weekend, a scoreless inning. So those would be two names in St. Paul right now to keep an eye on. Peacock, Feliz. So the Twins certainly have a myriad of, of options as, as we hopefully can start to opine about what a playoff roster could look like come Friday, October 7th. Do the Twins open up against the Tampa Bay Rays, the Red Sox, the Guardians, the White Sox? Heck, do the Twins make the playoffs? If they make the playoffs, are they the three seed? Or could they potentially be the sixth seed and have to open up on the road? But it's still fun to talk about those sorts of things with nine games left against the White Sox, Judd, eight games left against the Guardians. Yeah. Figure the division comes down to those 17 games. On Buxton. So in, in I, I believe it was late July, he had a uh, PRP treatment, which which is certainly a interesting step to try and rectify a knee problem that has bugged him for quite some time now uh i i think in this homestand i think until sunday he hadn't played in center field he uh sat a few games dh'd didn't start on sunday i think that they did they in fact i know they put him in in the game on sunday um where do we stand as far as the tightrope of keeping him healthy and as far as concern goes because i think that there had to be dukes an internal hope that the prp treatment would clear things up for an extended period of time and that appears to not have been the case where do things stand right now with buxton and the twins as far as as keeping him on track to play toughest guy in that clubhouse he's going to fight through the pain judd but to suggest he's anywhere near 100 percent yep would be asinine but you know barring some sort of new injury He's going to make it through this year. In fact, you know, look at games played. This will be right up there. I mean, this is a milestone-type year for Byron Buxton when it comes to playing as often as he has. Now, I get it. I get the concern. You're paying him all that money. You want that defense in center field. What has happened to his ability to steal bases? Heck, the Twins as a whole rarely steal bases. Although they had a couple over the weekend. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I understand all that, but... He's a legit power hitter. Now, there's still too much swing and miss, right? But overall, Byron Buxton, when he's been on the field, has been pretty darn productive. But he's just not going to be 100%, Judd. So you'll continue to see him getting a day off here and there. You'll continue to see him DHing. But sure, he comes in yesterday, 10th inning. I don't even know if he did any throwing in the back. Probably picked up a bat, got in the cage. But, like, did he warm up his arm, truly warm up his arm? And he sets up, grabs that ball in center, nearly threw out Whit Merrifield at third base. Like, yep. that just, that to me is freak of nature stuff, right? Like, 
I don't understand how you sit on the bench all game, then come in and deliver that sort of throw. Like that's just that to me is is ridiculous. But yeah, like he's just he's not going to be one hundred percent, Judd. I mean, I don't even think he's going to be ninety or eighty five percent. Like he's he's fighting through a lot. It's a lot of daily treatment, just a lot of different things going on, right? I mean, he'll have that knee drained again at some point, maybe multiple times before the year's over, but certainly at least one more time. So you mentioned the PRP injection, but yep. he's also had his knee drained multiple times. He'll continue to do everything he can to be able to help the Twins come late September then hopefully into a playoff series starting October 7th. Can you explain one thing to me, Darren? Why does the play-at-the-plate rule – the, the clear path rule still exists because we saw again yesterday, like it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, it's a big deal in a sport where the goal is, a professional sport, to score a run. Like the goal is to touch that plate. Why are we subjected today to a controversy about if Gary Sanchez allowed Whit Merrifield a smidgen of the plate? The only good that came from that complete debacle was Rocco's meltdown, I think is going to set a – because we have never seen this. Um, I really believe with the fan base and the players that what Baldelli did was genius because I, because it wasn't, the, well, here goes Guardy again. It was a very special I've-got-your-back meltdown. Uh, but because of that play, what, the Guardians are now one game back, the White Sox are two, and that game could come back – eventually to bite the twins in the ass and the way that that run was allowed to score to me. And, and if the roles were reversed, I would say the exact same thing. So if the twins benefited, it's asinine. It is asinine. Now, no guarantees, by the way, if they uphold the call on the field that the twins win the game, right? I mean, it's still possible. The twins yes. would have lost sure. the game. Plus we can play that. Could it come back to bite them in the ass game? We can play that both ways, right? Like I think about, Friday night, the Mm -hmm. Blue Jays vomiting all over themselves in extra (laughs) innings, right? The throw down, and Matt Chapman, who's gold glove-esque, doesn't make a great throw home. The catcher can't handle it. Nick Gordon scores, right? That game could have gone sideways, right? So the Twins win that game on Friday when that easily could have been a loss, although they were up five to nothing and blew that lead, right? But we can play that back and forth game Mm -hmm. all we want. To answer your original question, why? Jen, I have no freaking idea. I don't. I'll tell you this much. I texted with Timmy Cheetah, right? Timmy's still in town, bartender over at Mancini's, one of my guys. He's one of, you know, a lot of people consider Timmy one of their guys. Just A-plus human being, right? Mm-hmm. Long-time Major League Baseball umpire. Worked World Series games. Worked All-Star games. Considered Joe one of game. the best at his craft, right? Yep. And he still pays plenty of attention. It just mm-hmm. was time. It is a grind to be an umpire, right? Then he was battling some other stuff. It just It was time for him to move on after all those years of being a Major League Baseball umpire. But, you know, he's still relatively young. Not like he's a super old guy. He's still really active. He still pays attention. He knows what the heck is going on. I went back and forth via text with Tim, and he made me more confused. I said, Tim, I just I don't understand the enforcement of, of this rule. And he texted back. You are not alone. So there's just there's there's judgment there, but for for the replay official or officials, you know, I'm still trying to figure out was it the two gentlemen in New York? You know, it was Jordan Baker in New York. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Caleb Fieldbar said post game, nameless, faceless individuals. We actually have names and faces. Yes. In fact, those two umpires may end up, I don't have the names in front of me, but the two gentlemen probably will end up working a twin series at some point here in the next few weeks. So we know who the names are. If you have them handy, Judd, Jordan Baker. You have the name? Yeah. Baker made, Baker was the one who, according to the strip, decided on the safe call. Then the two guys that were in New York. Now, I wish I knew the exact process there. Because the two guys in New York, Mark Carlson, Paul Emmel. So those are the two guys in New York. Oh, interesting. Okay. In the replay booth. So what's the back and forth, Mark Carlson, Paul Emmel, with the replay official at Target Field? And who ultimately makes that decision to overturn it's great. The call. I'd be curious. I mean, we're sitting here at 1145 on Monday morning. So, right. you know, this thing happened only 19, 20 hours ago. So we're still sifting through, mm-hmm. you know, this entire situation. But mm-hmm. I can just tell you, a former Major League Baseball umpire, Timmy Cheetah, said you're not alone. That there's confusion there. That just uh, the understanding of how whoever decided to overturn it, one of those three names decided to overturn the home plate umpire's call. Like, there's just, there's confusion there. Why would you overturn his call by the letter of the law even? There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of gray area. But even by the rule specifically, did Gary Sanchez truly violate the rule? No. No, I don't think so. And he had the ball. It looked to me he had the ball before Witt went into the full sliding motion. But that's what I'm saying. There's there's a ton of gray area. But, Jeff, there's a lot of things I can't answer. Like, why don't we have the ro- the robot, you know, balls and strikes, you know, ability at, at you know, at home play now, right? Like, What's a catch you know, in I football saw Aaron Boone broke down yesterday in the Yankees-Cardinals game, and he was legitimately pissed off, right, because the home plate umpire in St. Louis yesterday was all over the place. Well, he was consistently bad is what he was. He wasn't all over the place. He was consistently bad calling yeah. certain balls strikes, right? right? So, you know, why don't we have – you know, the robotic ump, right? Now I get it. The Major League Baseball Players Association is incredibly powerful. That's why we don't have it because of their power, right, in large part. But I'm just saying there's a lot of things I can't answer, Jed. I, I don't know the answer to your initial question. But I can tell you there's there's enough confusion out there, including from a former big league umpire. And Rocco has never even come close to melting no. down like it's that. I mean, that was epic. Previously? Five times, six times. Yeah, I think this was the seventh or eight. A handful of times. Yeah, this was seven or eight, so five, six, seven, eight. Balls and strikes, though, things like that. If you combine the previous five, six, seven times he's been ejected, if you combined his anger, it's all those instances, it doesn't touch what we saw yesterday at Target Field. So I'm with you. I think it will have lasting ramifications in that clubhouse in a positive way. I really, really enjoyed Rocco's meltdown. Yeah, and I think he's going to be – well, he's going – to be fined substantially, I guess. Oh, my, absolutely. I guess my it may question even is, be suspended. A, yeah, a game or something like that. Yeah, and we should find that out later today. I mean, he tossed the hat. You know, we saw him use the f bomb, right? Several. You know, times. I mean, it was pretty clear as day to to read his lips, though. Even at the end, you know, when he looked up in yeah. the in the booth, you know, he was he was uttering the f word. You know, then his rant. You know, post game. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if if there's a one game suspension, but minimum. Mm-hmm. He's looking at a at a five figure fine. Viking scoops. What what can you uh, inform us that's going on at TCO Performance Center as they enter an, a, another week of practice and they do have 
uh, we're recording this on Monday. They do have a night practice, which is not a scrimmage now, but it's a little bit more ramped up uh, Monday night before having a day off on Tuesday. Yes, we will bond out there, presumably. Oh, I'll be there. I'm thinking you'll be out there. I I will be out there. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin will talk at at 6.30 tonight before this ramped up practice. Yeah, I don't think it'll be that traditional Saturday night training camp scrimmage feel. But, you know, in the stadium compared to on the practice fields, hopefully things ramp up to, to some extent. Hopefully we can shoot more than about five minutes of video. That's what I'm hoping for so I can put together a piece for for the 10 o'clock news tonight. Yeah, they're off tomorrow, then ramp back up on Wednesday, head to Vegas on Saturday for the preseason opener on Sunday. Yesterday's practice was pretty darn light, is my understanding. Very light. You know, so that goes back to, you know, Kevin's going to take care of these guys, right? Now, that wasn't supposed to be a fully padded practice or anything like that, but, like, I would think just even in shells, things would have been a little bit more physical, a little bit more ramped up. Than they were like it was. I was told, you know, a glorified walkthrough. It was yesterday. So I mean, that just it tells definitely. you how lax at times this training camp is. But you know, guys, guys are excited. I continue to hear great things about Christian Darasaw, which to me is amazing, Judd, because this time last year he undergoes a second core muscle surgery, mm-hmm. ends up missing half the season. Right? I mean, he only played what eight, nine, ten games when he played. He was okay. He had his moments, but he had his struggles as well. Yep. But the way they are talking about him, both on the record and on background, like it's almost time to start erecting the, the Hall of Fame bust for Christian Derrissaw. These Trent Williams comparisons, Trent Williams is going to be in Canton one day. It's just, to me, it's pretty darn amazing. Now, from what I've seen, he's had his way with Daniil Hunter, but like to me, is Daniil going 100% in those one-on-one drills against Christian Derrissaw? I'm not sure he is, right? Why would Daniil need to go 100% right now? But Derrissaw I don't want him to. has looked good. I don't want him to either. So don't yeah. worry about it, Daniil. I don't want him to either. Patrick yeah. Jones is another guy. You know, I mentioned a few guys I like him that, a lot. That, have, that have popped yes. last Thursday when, when this topic came up. I did not yes. bring up Patrick Jones, but that's another name I've heard in the last few days. Patrick Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're thinking about if Zadarius Smith goes down with some sort of injury or Daniil Hunter goes down, you know, keying on Jones more than DJ Wanham, right? I mean, Wanham had all those sacks last year. Did he lead the team in sacks last year, DJ Wanham? He might have. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Well, anyway, DJ Wanham had his moments yep. last year. But, you know, to me, it, it appears just based on what I've heard, Patrick Jones is is far above DJ Wanham on the, on the depth chart. I want you to start to at least – Sniff around about this possibility. Are the Vikings looking on the market to acquire a center? Um, because at some point in time, I, I mean, O'Connell O'Connell um, tried to, his best to paint a happy face on things Saturday. But when he comes out and says there is a competition for Garrett Bradbury's job, and it's interesting because as far as our access goes, Garrett Bradbury has taken every snap I've seen with the first team. Uh, but there's no question that there is a, at least concern there. And, Dukes, when you open against the two defensive tackles that the Vikings do, starting September 11th against Kenny Clark, and then, you know, Philly has a guy who, who it showed up on Twitter, is like throwing guys around. 
Um, I think that there's a very good chance the Vikings might in the next few weeks look to solidify and create what would be a real competition, not this one at center. Yeah, I mean, Chris Reed was always going to get snaps, but I just don't foresee a scenario where Chris Reed is the starting center on September 11th. I'm with Austin you. Schlottman was always going to get some center snaps, but I've never once foreseen a scenario where Austin Schlottman is the starting center on September 11th. I will continue to check. I have tried to check numerous times on J.C. Treader. My sense is if they were going to make a move on Treader, it would have happened already. Plus, I wonder where he is physically. I will continue to check. I've I've sent a number of text messages, Judd, you know, crickets on, on Treader. It's Paradis? Is it Matt Paradis? Is that how you say his last name? P-A-R-A-D-I-S? Oh, yeah. Yep. He is also out on the market. Yep. So I'll have to check on him, see where he's at physically. So, yeah, I mean, I get the concern, right? I mean, you know, we have some video from, from last week. Harrison Phillips just trucking Garrett Bradbury. And that's been a pretty regular occurrence. Now, my understanding is Bradbury had a better practice on Saturday. You know, comparatively speaking, you know, the bar is so dang low. But right. that he showed better on Saturday than he has the previous few days. Yep. But, yes, that will be something I'll continue to keep an eye on. I've continued to check on tight ends. You know, the update as of Saturday afternoon, no on Jared Cook, no on Eric Ebron. Yeah. Uh, f- final scoop, sir, before we uh, l- let you go and talk to you next on Thursday. Sure. Well, I don't think I mentioned this the other day, but go for basketball. Now down Isaiah Enan. I was told by somebody over there, they continue to look on a daily basis at the portal. But the problem is the portal at this point. What's left? There's not a whole lot left. I mean, there's a lot of names. Right. In terms of talent, there's not a whole lot left. Now, Caden Betts is that 2023 kid from Colorado who's now reclassifying. So he will join the team later this month. Mm -hmm. Colorado Player of the Year. I was told initially before the Enan news that, you know, there was a possibility that he would redshirt. That get him on campus, get him in the strength program, let him practice with the team. But actually getting minutes and games, probably pretty darn tough. So he could just use the year as a developmental year. Well, guess what? That's, you know, off the table now. I mean, Caden Betts can, can certainly help them in doses this year. So I would keep an eye on that. But they continue to look in the portal. I was told from go for football practice on on Saturday that Dalen Wright, wide receiver, remember him from last year, Texas A&M transfer. Yes. He lost a family member, so he went back to Texas for a little bit. Yep. It was a roller coaster of a year for Wright, but when he played, like that Ohio State game, he popped. Like you see some natural ability there. I hear he had a phenomenal summer. There's all this attention on Chris Altman Bell. Rightfully so. Chris Altman-Bell has a legit chance to play in the NFL. If you want to say that Chris Altman-Bell is the Gophers' best wide receiver, fine. So be it. I'm telling you right now, though, the most talented wide receiver on that team is Dalen Wright. Just remember that name, Dalen Wright. Also, the new starting left tackle, Ariante Ursary. Remember that name. He's in his third year with the program. The Gopher coaches behind the scenes, some other people with the Gophers, have been telling NFL folks, this kid is a pro. Maybe not right away. Still needs some seasoning. Maybe he's a pro for the 2024 draft, not the 2023 draft. Yeah. Remember the name Ursary, the new starting left tackle for the Gophers. 
There's a ton to like. He started one game as a true freshman in 2020, mm-hmm. the COVID year when they were down a bunch of guys the game against Nebraska. Then he maybe got a snap here or there, you know, not a start or anything like that in 2021. But right. he had a great summer. He had a great spring. And just remember that name. Last name, Ursery, E-R-S-E-R-Y, new gopher starting left tackle. They are gushing about his ability. Awesome stuff, sir. Thanks, Dukes. Okay, see you, boys. Bye-bye.